Live from the booth at Pops, it's time for the Riverdale Review! Welcome back, pals, to another episode of the Riverdale Review. We're back in the booth this week after uh, a week off for the Thanksgiving break. It is good to be here. I am your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my pals in podcasting, Mr. Kale Ward. I never get enough while I'm here. I always, I always, like, we come to Pops and we order all this food, but I'm never full. <laughs> I might have a problem. Most definitely. Maybe you just need to order more food. I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> I got you, baby. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Marco Cunolata. Uh Pops, uh, I'm expecting a call, so if you hear anything, just uh, swing on by. <laughs> is, that weird, is that a weird reference to what happened in the show? Yeah, of course. Okay. I just no, but, I just want to no, make sure. but it could be. No, now it could be. It, it is. That was that was premeditated. I knew exactly. That was, yes. It was definitely a reference. <laughs> That was a bit that we are now explaining on the air. Yes, what a great podcast we have here. <laughs> and then joining us in the booth to round out our foursome today is Amuna Sahin. Hi, I'm Amuna Sahin, and I'm a comics professional person. Um, I am here to my very intent about this very, <laughs> very important show of our time. The show of our time. It is the show of our time. I think that's a fair assessment, I have to say. I think we just found a new tagline for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The Riverdale Review, the show of our time. (laughs) The show of our time. Truly is. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously watching the show after the episode is is just as much a part of the experience. Uh, So, real quick, you're an editor over at Titan, right? Yes, I work at Titan Comics. I am officially a an editorial art editor, but I also edit comics completely by myself, mostly the Warhammer line, and I also edit the Sherlock comic, which everybody should check out. Plugs. Oh, cool. Speaking of which, uh, do you want to tell uh, the listeners at home where they can find you online, where they can connect with you? Um, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, and I have a website, but it's mostly promoting me as an artist because I am, even though like uh, I don't work as an artist professionally, but I love making art. Cool. Yeah, and great. And it's at amuna.net. And then what's your uh, tag on social? Um, you can search me, at, I think on Twitter, I'm Amuna Sohin, but on Instagram, I am Instagram. That's a good one. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> So you got you you managed to get the domain Amuna dot net. Did you yeah. did you get it when you were like three? Like how did how did you nail oh, that? God. <laughs> no, I was like seventeen and nobody was on the internet. <laughs> Are we dating ourselves too much here? <laughs> All right. Oh, well, well, I'm I'm twenty five, but it's been a while. I couldn't get Amuna dot com though. That was like sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dot coms used to cost a lot more money. Um, awesome. Well, we're so happy to have you in the booth today. Um, so, like we always do, let's start uh, the episode off by talking about our spoiler three, spoiler free, excuse me, thoughts on the episode. Uh, Amuna, since you're our guest, why don't you start? Um, thoughts on the episode. Like, I just watched it this morning, and I just keep feeling, like, the characters, like, I love them so much, but they won't do what I want them to do. <laughs> and I feel like everybody's, like, messing up. It's like, if you just let me control you, I would be able to make you do the right decisions. <laughs> you teenagers, yeah, why don't you act like adults? 
<laughs> yeah, that's basically my feelings about it most of the time. And like, I don't know what to say. Like, they keep twisting and turning, and I don't know. Uh, I thought this was a really strong episode. You know, I think in terms yeah. of um, direction, I think it was actually one of my favorites. I think, like, the way it was shot was really, really strong. Um, yeah, it was, like, split. Hard. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. way that like the, the episode kept crossing over in like the very small ways of just you know you'd see a scene and then the scene would come up again you know later on from a different perspective and just the way that they played with um you know music and like the camera angles to really like play yeah. up the horror of the situations I thought was really really strong this episode. Yeah, it was um, a, a real solid like pulp fictiony kind of uh, crossover, a, a bunch of moments set in a certain amount of time. Yeah, yeah, and it just felt very tight, you know, like, it it reminded me, um, almost of, like, a heist movie, you know, how there's always, like, usually, like, a few groups of characters, and you're cut, 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 you know, like, but instead of that, it was, like, we just got each character's story presented to us in a really, um, just condensed way, right, it was this plot, this plot, this plot, and considering Riverdale's usually, they're so packed with content in every episode, all the jumping around can definitely be, um, you know, not necessarily hard to follow, but I think sometimes it, it, it like, almost tires you out a little bit, you know? Cause like, yeah, yeah, it feels fast. Yeah, and I feel like the pacing felt so much stronger this episode because we just got to focus on the story at hand and get resolution. I, I, I always felt like the cinematography and generally how it's shot is on a different level in comparison to the other CW shows. Something Absolutely. Yeah, I think it was on the first episode or the first episode of this season of Riverdale Review where Andy said that like some of the best directors on television uh, are working on Riverdale, and I think that's apparent often. But I feel like it was very apparent to me this episode of just the caliber of talent they have at the helm, you know, and even just with like the score, you know, Marco as like another huge music guy. What did you What did you think about all this stuff? The the direction and like the use of like the musical themes. Yeah, I like the the song that um uh Josie kept playing um like they they used that a couple of times like it was basically like a motif throughout like whenever something would happen um <clears throat> some kind of reveal or it would be some kind of like like you said like play up the horror um in this in this episode um and yeah I echoed a lot a lot of your statements on just like the direction the way they they sort of had gotten the the angles um Oh, overall, it was it was strong. The one thing that threw me off was like the opening crawl, like the like, yeah. the very first. I was like, yeah. "What's going on?" I I, I could have yeah. sworn I clicked on the wrong like the wrong show. I'm like, "Oh, like what's going on?" And then it mentioned like the people of Riverdale. I was like, "Oh, you know, this is this is it." It it was like it was jarring, and then like it got into it, and I was like, "Okay, I get why they they did that." Um, <laughs> uh, it could have that, that that part could have been executed a little bit better. Um, but I felt like the, the rest of it was the solid. Yeah, we could talk a little bit more about that in the spoiler full section, but yeah, I thought that was a little strange too. Um, so Kill, what were your thoughts on the episode? I actually wasn't crazy about it. I do, I do agree with you on all the points you said. I think, uh, I think it was very strong, uh, directorially. I think the, um, the cinematography and the music were on point. Um, for me, the characters... It felt sort of underserved, uh, except for like the the couple of like big revelations that we had uh, in the episode. Okay, 
Yeah, I'm interested to hear more about that. But for for me, like it felt like because these were like it was almost like an uh, an anthology series, you know, where it's focusing on, you know, like we said, focusing on the different oh, yeah. characters and the different things they do. But because of that, I feel like we they had to sort of boil down the characters to like their essential kind of um um um, um aspects. Okay. Uh, and so, like, in the case of, of, like, Cheryl, we sort of missed quite a bit. Or, or like, Josie. I feel like there were things that we, we missed that would have been really, that would have been served really well had it been a full episode. Okay, yeah, I could, I could see that now that you, you frame it that way. And I don't, I don't think we can talk about it too much more without getting into spoilers. So let's, unless anybody has any closing thoughts on the episode before we move on. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, uh, this is your opportunity to jump out if you haven't seen the episode yet and, um, you know, you just wanted to get our early impressions. Um, I think the most of us like, seem to like it, but your mileage may vary on some of the direct, uh, not directorial choices, but I suppose pacing choices. Um, so, you know, uh, if you do care about spoilers, now's your chance, chance to bounce out. Uh, remember that you can connect with the show, um, by writing into us at thecomicspals at gmail.com or hitting us up at thecomicspals, uh, anywhere your social media is sold, um, with your questions, comments, thoughts on the show, and, uh, you might be able to hear them right on the air. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, so otherwise, we'll see you next week. Let's get into the spoiler full section. Uh, so I wanted to start at the beginning. With the intro. Uh, so, you know, Marco already kind of shared some of his thoughts, um, but did anybody else want to weigh in on this kind of, like, weird, unsolved mysteries revealed intro that they pulled out here? I sort of wish they committed to it. Because they did that opening crawl, but they didn't close it out mm-hmm. the same way, you know? And it never comes up again. Yeah. Like, yeah. and the thing I thought was so weird about it is all of the content of it is not in the episode like they they tease all this stuff they say that there's it's the three twisted tales known as the black hood murders and that you know like the people who bore witness were so young and all this stuff and that it started with the letter at the chocolate shop okay that's all we saw like none of the other things that it promised have happened so it it just it felt like a weird framing device for me but the the three were the, the the way it was split out in three like it followed like those those paths yeah, but there, are, but nobody got murdered. That's the thing is they say it's the th- it's the Black Hood murders. So I'm guessing these three stories are going to be the start of three people getting murdered. But oh, I see what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think to Kale's point, I, I felt it was kind of weird. Like they didn't really commit to the bit. Or yeah, in 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 sort of the case of what you're talking about, it's sort of they didn't really commit to the the text of the bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to tell us what happened before the episode starts, make sure the episode does what it says. Yeah, it's interesting because it's it's one of the things that happens to me sometimes when I watch Riverdale when, like, some of the, cl- like, not necessarily cliffhangers, but some of the ways that it deals with story make it really apparent that it's made for binging. You know, that it's, like, meant to be watched one right after the other because I'm sure three weeks from now or whatever – once we've gotten the resolution of this, it'll, oh yeah, that makes sense as a piece. But sitting here with just that little sliver and really nothing else feeding into it, it just, it felt weird. It, it feels so disconnected from the stories we were actually told. Yeah, well, I think maybe it's meant to like disconnect sort of 
from how the show has been going because it felt like like an anthology like horror anthology yeah and that's like um i thought of it was um that's how they wanted to separate this episode from how it's been going so smoothly right now by just having way like these three stories told in one go mm. but yeah i see what you mean it's like if I if I watched it like if I watched it all in one go I would find it weird like this particular episode yeah because mm-hmm. of that opening yeah especially because when you think about it the opening moment of the scene is or of the show rather is uh, after that we we get the letter being found at pops right and pops and um, Sheriff Keller and uh, and Mayor McCoy are there reading it, right? And we get the threat that, you know, the next 48 hours are going to be a test and, you know, like, show that you're pure and I'm going to stop. If not, I'm, you know, I'm going to pick up the sword again, right? And at the end of the episode, we get kind of the resolution of that where he's like, oh, okay, you're all still sinners, I'm coming. But that feels so vaguely connected to the things that we actually saw go down. Like, yeah, sure, there was a lot of story with Sin involved here, but yeah. that's every episode of Riverdale. You know, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a CW show, like yeah. Right, yeah. right. Um and then, I mean that's the whole arc of this season, right? Is that, you know, uh, the first season was about how oh, Riverdale's this set, this town with dirty little secrets and this one is well there's, you know, someone here to clean house. And, you know, I don't I just felt like it I don't know what it added to the conversation other than, I guess, to be fair, it did make us have this conversation, right? Of, well, what does it mean? <laughs> yeah. So do you guys think that these three twisted tales mean that, like, these people from these groups, someone's going to get murdered? Mm. That is the implication, but I don't think that's going to happen. I have a hard time thinking I think, that. Yeah, I think somebody's going to get murdered, but mm. maybe not those people. Yeah, because the main characters of of these three stories were basically like the six main characters of the show, yeah. you know, yeah. with the exception And also of, Kevin was there. And also Kevin, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like it, um, I, you know, I could see maybe like one of the pussycats or Mayor McCoy or Sheriff Keller or, yeah. oh, man, I hope, I hope, you know, Penny, what's her name? Penny Pitstop or whatever the hell. Penny Pitstop! Isn't <laughs> <laughs> Penny isn't like Penny Penbridge or something? I don't know. Uh, Penny Peabody. Oh, okay. that was it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for you, for you youngins, uh, Penelope Pitstop <laughs> is the name of uh, the char- the character, the only woman driver in Wacky Races. So you, you the more you know, you, you young folk might not know that. Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just yeah, just we're on while we're on that subject of how old I am. Do you guys remember? <laughs> Uh, are you afraid of the dark? Yes. That's that's what this episode reminded me of. It was basically like a a, a teen Nickelodeon um, horror anthology. It was on SNCC. It was sort yeah. of the, the late night Nickelodeon uh, teen aimed programming. Amuna's <laughs> face right now. She's like, "What the." F- fuck <laughs> must be an american thing <laughs> well i did watch nickelodeon but it was mostly cartoons <laughs> yeah was it a cartoon? <laughs> it was that was like an early 90s thing it, it was live action oh, right. yeah yeah um but you know I, I think you're right because what was interesting about it i thought was this episode was like kind of the first one in a long time where there wasn't a lot of 
really present danger. You know, like, there were a lot of dangerous situations, but all of the, like, horror elements, the big horror shots, were all normal situations. You know, like, Josie walking yeah. into the the shower, you know, and being confronted. Like, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about some of the actual moments later, but, like, it was so interesting to me the way it played horror when, like, there's a literal serial killer looming over the town, and, mm-hmm. like, it's these very mundane human fear scenarios that get played for horror. Um, so the show, uh, like we said, kind of pretty conveniently broke up the character plots for us this time around. So just like they did, let's start with Archie and Jughead. So um, their, you know, storyline this time around kind of um, loosely picks up from where we were last time, right? You know, Penny Peabody says she's calling in her favor. She, you know, tricks Jughead into, uh, you know, going and running this um, errand for her. Where, uh, you know, he's going to, like, take what, you know, are implied to be drugs, but I want to talk about that a little bit, to Greendale, you know, and uh, she she gets him there under the guise of the fact that FP's been jumped in jail and attacked by ghoulies, you know, that the only way that she's going to be able to get him out uh, is that if Jughead does this and, you know, she has the money that she needs to help him get off early. Uh, so, you know, he agrees. He gets Archie involved because, you know, Archie owes him one. I guess because of the whole business with the race, right? So let's let's talk about this crate a little bit. So first of all, this crate is fucking huge. Like this is a yeah. If this is <laughs> drugs. Holy. This is a lot of drugs. It's cartoonishly huge. Yeah, yeah. and it's got like chains on it. And I, did you guys make out oh, the text God. that was on it? No, no, no. I didn't see it. So so I I rewound this episode about a hundred fucking times to get this. So it said on it, do not open Miskatonic University via H.P. Lovecraft, Polar Expedition, January 13th, 1923. What? Huh. Right. That was all, when, when, when did you? That's on, the, did... that's on the crate. So when they bring the crate in, they put it down and there's a couple shots where you can see the text on it. And I paused it to look and I, and I wrote it down. Really? Yeah. I wonder what that's a reference to. I do too, and I wonder if it's just a reference or like because. So here's my theory, right? There's all this imagery and all this talk about Greendale. Oh my god! This episode and the magic. There's you know we know that Sabrina's coming. Do you think it's something supernatural in the crate? That's where I I thought this episode this section was going. I thought we were like gonna meet Sabrina, and I didn't know yeah. how I didn't already find that out. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was something like the. Like, uh, when, when that, when Jughead got into the car with that dude, I was like, oh man, like this guy is being like, he has a hat on, like what's going on? He's acting all shady. And legit, I was like, what is this? Like, like gothic horror. And then like Jughead, like later was like, oh, oh, like an American gothic. I was like, oh snap, call me. Yeah. He was what, uh, I think the, in Cabin in the Woods, I think they call him the Herald. Oh, y'all going way up there, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Up to Greendale. There's a bunch of magic up there. You don't want to. You better turn around now. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, I thought the same exact thing. I was like, okay, Greendale. You have to transport this to Greendale, and then like they broke down, right? And then that guy appeared. Then this. Then uh, Archie saw the deer. And then there was just like a bunch of stuff like right at It was the, like the freeze the on the sign. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I was like, I was like oh, I, I thought it was alluding to like the news that we had. Yeah, about, about Sabrina? Yeah. Oh, 
I forgot to do the news segment, but this you is actually a perfect opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I actually. Trying, I, was I, I, I was trying to lead it there. No, I was trying to lead it there. No, no, you did a really good job. Thank you. Because I intended to put that in before the spoiler full section, but we were already like raring to go. So I kind of forgot about it. So yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, let's, we'll, we'll put a pin in the discussion of the spooky man. And uh, let's let's talk a little bit about some of the news this week that came out around uh, the Riverdale spinoff about Sabrina. Yeah, that we've had, um, you know, not necessarily teased. It's been promised. We knew it was coming. We knew it was in development, but we weren't sure when it was going to air, where it was going to air. Um, so the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that uh, the you know the show is good. Uh, has already been confirmed for a two season, uh, twenty episode straight to series order for Netflix. So, two um, episodes? No, two season, 20 episodes. Oh, total. Per, per season or total? Yeah, that's what it says. It's uh, So, I'll, I'll read it to you right here, right? It says, the streaming giant has handed out a si- – oh, sorry. First of all, let me give attribution here. Uh, this is by Leslie Goldberg over at The Hollywood Reporter. Thank you, Leslie. So, Leslie writes, uh, the streaming giant has handed out a sizable two-season, 20-episode straight-to-series order for an untitled Sabrina drama based on the Archie Comics graphic novel, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, picked Oof. up uh, the intended Riverdale companion series from the CW. So, yeah, this is, you know, confirming everything we said. Now we just know it's getting a two-season two uh, deal, and we're getting 20 episodes. And then it's supposed to come uh, sometime... In, uh, they said that they're shooting right now for the 2018-2019 broadcast season as a companion sh- series. So I don't know if that means it's going to be coming out around the same time or whatever, but uh, they're saying here um, they're going to shoot for two 10-episode seasons that would shoot back-to-back with the first film batching from February to June and the second one from June to October. So it sounds like they're going to kind of switch hands. Nice. So if I mean, that's the I- case, you'll be able to have the Greendale review. Amuna, have you seen, have you read um, The Chilling Adventures of uh, Sabrina? No, I haven't. My only experience of Sabrina the Witch is the old TV show. Oh my god. And, and like the cartoon as well. Mm. And I loved it a lot. Oh, I'm, sure, yeah. But I understand that this new show is going to be more horror-y. The, so, than, like, so one of the first things fun. that happens in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is there's like, uh, I mean... To put it mildly, they they summon Satan, right? And I'm sure at some point there's uh, like a, a a cult orgy. There thing. is a cult. Yeah, there is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there is. Oh, sorry. Just your your reaction to that, Amuna, was great. You're just like, oh, okay, yeah, summon Satan. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's my jam. I love gothic. I fucking like love Satan. <laughs> the chilling adventures of Sabrina for right you, now. Mock Satanus. <laughs> Yeah, I actually I haven't heard this news until like just recently, as I told you already. So I'm actually psyched for that. Like I thought that they were gonna do some sort of a crossover, yeah, like soonish. Like 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 similar to what they did with Arrow and the Flash, how Barry yeah, Allen yeah, showed up on, what I on Arrow first. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was actually gonna happen exactly like that because I thought that was like a CW thing now, just to stout like the waters. I feel like it's still possible. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if it'll be the first time that we meet Sabrina, but I, I do think that at some point they'll they'll touch. Uh, even though this is going on Netflix instead of the CW, um, this really probably shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody because uh, Riverdale has like a very close relationship with Netflix outside of the states. Um, I know that's like the primary way that uh, that it's like delivered 
right? I think in Australia, yeah. it's like weekly there, not on television, right? Well, I don't know about Australia, but in yeah, in New Zealand, it comes out weekly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't. Oh, yeah, know, I forgot it's that way there for you as well. On sure. on uh, for you guys, Pete. Uh, does it say a Netflix original in the opening credits? No. No. Yeah, it does. It does for us. Like, uh, yeah, I know that oh, the really? it, it has that us, relationship. Yeah, yeah huh. and I, I, there's there's literally a quote in the article where a representative uh, says that like you know a lot of people watched it and thought it was a Netflix show. So huh. that relationship there makes sense. Interesting. Um, so you know, keep your ears to the ground. We'll uh, we'll talk to you guys about it as we get more information. Um, and if we like the show, maybe we'll uh, tune in for extra episodes of this show to do that. Um, so let's, you know, we'll, we'll get back to the, to the matter at hand here though. So, um, like Marco said, right. Uh, when Archie and, uh, Jug break down while, um, they're going to deliver this crate full of God knows what, uh, they encounter. Pancake yeah. Pancake mix. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so they, they encounter, uh, this, you know, very, very sketchy stranger, uh, who offers to, you know, take them the rest of the way for Jughead's 18 bucks. Yeah, and, uh, rude. Like, <laughs> how do you just ask for yeah. money? Exactly. Because he definitely could tell they were doing something illegal and he was trying to extort them. And, like, fuel money. Like, I get that part. Like, that, you know. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think he was doing it to vicious. be neighborly. No, no he, he looked like, I don't know how Jughead thought he could get in with that guy when coming out of it like alive he yeah. looked like he was gonna yeah. kill him yeah <laughs> yeah especially just like <laughs> you know he has like he's got like the the most like stereotypical like what what was the word you used for it from kevin in the woods the herald the herald like it's so on the nose of just like he's got this big hat in this broken down like country bumpkin truck with yeah. like missing teeth or whatever and it's just like he's listening to this like you know doomsday preacher on the radio talking about how the black hood is like you know uh, an agent of God and all this stuff, and it's just like, oh no, like we're in, we're we're in bad country here, Jughead. Like, <laughs> um, but so you know, we get um, this kind of wrinkle, new wrinkle in the case, I think, uh, from this guy where he talks about a previous killer who had been known to the area called the Riverdale Reaper. So um, you know, they end up stopping for gas and they get dinner together. They talk a little bit more about this figure. And uh, this was another one of the scenes I really liked. I want I want to know if you guys picked up on this as well. The the shot from behind of him cutting the meat and it just looked so bloody, you know, and just yeah. how intensely yeah. he was kind of cutting it. Um, yeah. Just yeah. another example of that, you know, mundane situation being played for horror with just good shooting, you know. Love it. It felt so like I don't know how to explain it. It felt very noir. Like yeah. The- that that particular shot reminded me of like the opening uh the opening uh like salvo sequence of uh dexter sure um, how he you know oh. gets ready in the morning and it's all like it looks like he could be you know tying his shoelaces and strangling a body and like uh-huh. cutting up his yep. ham and eggs totally yeah and it just has this very like visceral kind of feel it's it's uncomfortable you know like and that meat uh, what i assume was meat uh was like so dark and red i thought it was beets I, yeah and i, I like yeah, how like they showed him those beets <laughs> like they showed him like drizzle ketchup on it and i wonder if that yeah. was supposed to be our cue of like oh that's why it's so red but like just the way it looked was very unsettling and even like jug's reaction to him eating 
you know, has this kind of like feeling of disgust, you know? Um, but so we get the story, right? That there was this family out near Fox Forest who was like murdered in the middle of the night with a shotgun. And, um, you know, he kind of insinuates that he thinks, you know, some people feel like he never left Riverdale and he wouldn't be surprised if the hood was the same guy, you know, that it was just like a, a, a repeated kind of like cycle of violence, right? And uh, I wanted to ask, what did you, what did you guys think about this theory? Like, did you, do you think it's possible that the Reaper is the Hood? I thought he was just talking to Freak Jughead. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It didn't. It seems. It he seemed like a crazy dude. Sure, Maybe he had something to do with it. But I don't know. I, I think he was there to just give us this kind of. Like, as you said, because, like, the whole situation felt very ominous and very, like, something's going to happen. And I felt like that was his purpose there. And, like, maybe the story is connected to the serial killer. But mm. at this point, it just feels like reaching because it is, like, a legend. And, like, nobody has talked about this either. Sure. Yeah, that's... That's the thing I thought was interesting is, like, is this supposed to just be a red herring or is this guy a deus ex machina? You know, like, because Jughead, uh, you know, after, you know, the guy tries to, like, pull a dine and dash and rob him, basically, and Archie shows up at the, you know, the 11th hour to save the day. And, you know, they make the drop off and all this stuff. And they, they go back to Pops a debrief later, right? And they're, they're, like, talking about about this whole thing and Jug says that he wants to go, you know, and, uh, and like do research about it, you know? And like, he thinks that this is, is maybe a lead. So I'm wondering if we're going to come, I, I imagine we're going to come back to this, right? That there's going to be an expansion on what this Riverdale Reaper is or, or what it means. And I wonder if it isn't the hood, right? Which I think you're probably right. Why, what, what is the purpose of it? Why is it being introduced? Is it just to throw us off and make us wonder? Because that feels a little too obvious. Yeah, well, that that was my problem with it, is that when that whole thing was over, it just felt like it had nothing to do with anything afterwards. And it was mm-hmm. just like this guy coming just to steal the drugs, probably, because he thought he could, like, he, it just looked sort of like that, but Jughead and Archie are probably going to, like, freaking out and it's just something for them to go on it just doesn't feel like it's connected but who knows i want to be surprised because it felt so obvious that i felt like it just wouldn't happen because it's all yeah yeah i think you're probably right yeah and i think uh i think while it might not be necessarily necessarily connected i could see it especially if the black hood is you know of like the the age and like the the body build you know we think uh, the the popular theory is he's a white guy you know middle-aged um there's a good chance that he was around when this riverdale reaper would have been and so he could be inspired by that yeah that's a good point it could be a copycat that could uh yeah maybe not even necessarily a copycat but you know just a uh just someone who went oh well this guy did this i'm gonna do it too the thing that's interesting to me, though, is I feel like that doesn't quite match the Black Hood's M.O. Like, he murders a family, and, like, it says that, like, he killed two kids, too. And I don't think the Hood would do that, right? His whole thing is about sin, uh, and children aren't sinners. I don't know. I mean, because even, the, you know, these kids are 16. 
But I, 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 and I just might be misremembering. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the the creepy gas station man says that he that the, that he killed like young children. No, yeah, and I, what I'm saying is, I, I think you're right, but I, I also like you know the our our kids are also they're still kids they're teenagers and you know they're the focus of like horror of like the horror genre you know they fill all the tropes uh but they're still kids yeah yeah i get i i feel like he's just holding them to a different standard because they're old enough to act and do things that are immoral you know i no i agree so yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting wrinkle, and uh, I'm sure we'll have more information about it as it comes. Uh, Marco, what do you think about this? Do you have any thoughts on this whole Riverdale Reaper business? I think it's like like uh, like what Amuna said. It was just like sort of something that you know, uh, it, it it probably doesn't. He was just trying to say it to scare him more than anything. Really, I don't think it has any validity. I don't think we're going to see it again. Um, I mean, you don't, even though Jughead said he wants to do research about it. <clears throat> I mean, like, he'll do research, but I think it'll come out, like, it, nothing will come up. I think it was just, mm. like, an element that they threw in there for, like, like a, a, a misdirect. Yeah. I guess we'll have to see. I'm, I'm really interested, because I, I really think it could go either way. I don't, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I can see a scenario where, like, it, he does pop up again. Like, I mean, the, the show has surprised us before, so I'm... <laughs> I'm I'm open to to not seeing it again and to seeing it again. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so speaking of surprises, uh, I think there there was one more I want to touch on. You know, before we're kind of done with this portion, but let's rewind real quick to their drug deal with the creepy Russian cartoon characters. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they were Russian. Or German? Oh god, they were Russian. Okay, they were definitely Russian. Are they? Okay. Yeah, they were like they were like um, uh, Boris and what's her name from like uh, Rocky and yeah. Bullwinkle, you know? I think it's B- Boris and Natasha. Oh my God, was she wearing a beret? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh God. And just like I don't know, like they're just dressed in all black, you know? Like they just look so fucking like sinister, so like cartoon comic book villain, you know? Like status. It was yeah. absolutely classic. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I got a real kick out of that whole exchange. And, like, it was so short, but I don't know. What, what did you guys think about that? Oh, it was weird. I was like, what? Am I supposed to be intimidated? Because they were telling Doug, like, oh, he has to do this again. And I was, if I was in his place, I'd be like, uh. It's like, <laughs> I no mean, thanks. Didn't look scary at all. I mean, they did have a gun, just, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> the scariest thing in the world. America. <laughs> right. that, that's fair. All right, fair. Everybody has a gun, right? Uh, Arch, Archie had like six of them. So yeah, holy shit. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. But yeah, see, I thought that was crazy. you see, guys, this is why the only thing to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Obviously, <laughs> if Thanks Archie saw his Archie. gun, they would have been fine. <laughs> they could have taken them, dude. That crate that held the, the stuff was so big and like it looked fucking heavy i don't know how they just got it on the truck just like no big deal it looked like they could probably take on those people physically like yeah like that crate should have been heavy enough that even if that dude took out that gun like they would have yeah. walked through the bullets <laughs> You just you just see Archie like freaking you know like big boot kick the old lady in the wheelchair into him and they just attack him. 
<laughs> I mean, he did train to be the Punisher, right? So we we learn here, right, that you know she calls uh, Penny the Snake Charmer, right? That she's promised that Jug's going to be her regular delivery boy, and you know that kind of all plays into the conclusion of this storyline, right? You know, uh, at the after the, that debrief, it pops. It's basically sun up. Jug says he's going to go visit FP. And uh, he goes to check on him, and he realizes that he isn't hurt. Dude, he could have just called him. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you know? thought he was hurt, and you didn't call him to check. Dad, are you okay? Yeah. yeah. His first reaction was, oh, shit, I better go run some drugs. <laughs> I know, I know. That, that was definitely, like, and, and, like, I get it because of the way it was presented, right? Like, yeah. he trusted her, and it's like, he's yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna do it. I've gotta go right now, because it's almost sundown. It's like, okay, yeah. fine. But, like, no, that was exactly my thought, too. It was like, y- really? Like, don't make yeah. a call, like, nothing? Like, no, like, he told you to look out for her. You didn't think, maybe? But, yeah. to be fair, I didn't either. Like, when this reveal happened, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was not expecting that. Were you guys? I I mean, my first impulse would have been to, to call. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but I it's like it, Kurt, uh, comic book writer uh, Kurt Busick says a lot. Um, you know, if you if you pull that yarn, the sweater's gonna come undone. So, right? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I remember a similar thought I had was earlier when they like had the flat. They're like, we can't call Triple C. We have the drugs. I was like, take the crate off and go hide it in the woods. You broke <laughs> down here. Get a fresh tire and pull that shit back out. Like. <laughs> I uh they mentioned calling Kevin and I I actually thought that was kind of a good idea. I think it would have been a really good thing to have a Kevin Archie and Jughead like moment. I think it would have been that would have added a lot of uh stuff to uh Kevin's character at least. Yeah, yeah I would have I would have liked to have seen that for sure. And you know, it's like they said it totally made sense like he has a truck. Like Yeah. Yeah, but he was he was with uh Veronica, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Um so, you know, then we, we get the, the conclusion of this, right? It's like, she's got a, she's going to blackmail him now. She's got a video and he's, he's in, like, he's fucked, you know? And, you know, he, he's like horrified by this and he asks her like, why? Like, why are you doing this to me? And, you know, she says, FP made a promise he didn't keep. As far as I'm concerned, his debt is yours and I'm just getting started with you. It's just like, oof, like, fuck. He is, he is in trouble. Right? That's what I wrote. I, I literally wrote in my notes, fuck this bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, but I, I had I wanted to really call this out. You know, I you know not only is this a, this is a huge story development, but I really wanted to applaud the show because I think you know we we like regularly playfully throw around the the, the term that this show's trash, right? That it's like it's trashy TV, and that's part of why we love it. But I like I definitely think it's a lot smarter than we give it credit for sometimes, you know? Um we've talked about how the characters are surprisingly mature, but the thing that I loved about this was we've been so convinced for weeks, right? Kale put forward this um theory that we all kind of thought was going to be going to come to fruition that Jughead would get pulled into some violent situation, hurt somebody, and that would be his oh shit, I'm in too deep moment. Mm-hmm. Not something like this. You know, not that he was going to fuck up and get blackmailed. And that now yeah. his reputation is on the line that, you know, the the life that he has that's established in Riverdale is in jeopardy. I I, I still think that moment's coming. Maybe uh, so. Because I, I think the fact that he tells Archie at the end of the episode, listen, I'll, I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to do my best to 
figure out what to do uh to get out of this i think i think even even with um her blackmail i think that's still that's still going to be the case just given by the fact that you know we still have 12 more episodes of the season so <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, hopefully they'll all get to New York to live in the East Village, which doesn't exist oh, anymore God. yet. Yeah, what was I that tur- comment? One, I turned to, I turned to, I turned to Jess, and I went, "What? An <laughs> artist and a musician in the East Village? Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> That's like all you see on the corners. Yeah. Guys, it's in the coffee shops there. That's because Archie is a fucking wannabe artist living in middle America, and he's basing his view of New York off of the Beatles in the yeah. 70s, guys. Say, okay, okay, it's just, it's a dream. Okay, all right, fine. And when, yeah, Junkhead's the realist where he's like, I'm pretty sure that the East Village doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, bless him. Yes, dreams. <laughs> it's a nice dream. Nice dream. I thought it was cute. I'd watch that spinoff. <laughs> No, um, <laughs> I'd watch it. I'd watch it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. The Park Avenue review. Ooh, I'm there for that. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd, I'd do that one. All right. So, uh, moving along, the next story we got was uh, about Josie, which um, I was really, really happy to finally get some time with Josie again. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think we've been talking about this all season but i think we've specifically been complaining about it the last couple episodes of like what's going on with josie you know we knew that she was going to be uh brought up to a more prominent status this season because of the way that contracts work out um but we really haven't gotten much time with her at all you know up until now I, she's been in maybe like two or three other scenes you know where she's had a few lines but a- excluding um when her and the pussycats like just fucking curb stomped uh what's his name nick Um, Nick, yeah nicholas yeah Yeah. uh she really hasn't had much to do this season so her getting her own storyline was um i thought really a breath of fresh air uh not only just to get time with her but also just for the sake of the show because she has just a totally different perspective on this whole issue you know, like, obviously what's going on in town is still affecting her, but she's not wrapped up in it in the same way that the main four characters are. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I thought that was a really fun angle to get. And she's also the mayor's daughter, so that uh, mm-hmm. also affects her in just a totally different way. Yeah, and I really like the stuff we got with her and Mayor McCoy uh, this time around because it really felt like – I feel like their relationship hasn't been explored as much as it could be because there's a lot there. And it was fun to – get an insight into Mayor McCoy in a way that we do with some of the other parents that we really don't with her. She's generally presented as an obstacle, not a person. And she's just as unlikable as the rest of them. <sighs> well, I don't know. I, I, I felt some sympathy for her this episode. I think she's done a lot of things, excuse me, that I found to be very unlikable. But, I mean, she's just afraid. And that's, that's human. Like, I get where she's coming from. I understand why she's concerned for her and now for her daughter, you know? I guess. I don't know. It just didn't feel like, and maybe all of those things are true, but I, just the fact that we weren't given, uh, like the notices or the, um, you know, the, the letters, we never saw them. It just kind of hinted to me and with the fact with that Sheriff Keller was in the, uh, in like every scene with her and Josie, um, mm. it just to me it, it it stank more of manipulation. That's what it seemed like to me. I agree, especially with you know the reveal at the end of 
the Sheriff Keller mm-hmm. uh, bit, the Betty and Veronica part. Uh, sure. It just like it all really cemented, you know, Mayor McCoy wants Josie in the house so that she knows where she is so that Josie doesn't catch her sneaking around and sleeping with the sheriff. I'm sure that's a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, and and like I said, like I, you know, we never saw the the no, the death threats, the notes and the horrible language. Uh, uh, that very well could be true, but it, yeah, like I said, to me, it just, it's still smacked of, uh, manipulation. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I I did also, sorry, uh, I did also just want to call out, I, I think it was Betty who called, um, sorry, Betty Felon, um, who called out the relationship between Cheryl and, um, and Josie, so shout outs there. Was oh that, no, that was Olivia. Was it Olivia? Olivia? Well, there yeah. you go. It yeah, was that was Olivia. Shout yeah, Olivia sh- said that she she was shipping them hard, and yes, uh, yeah, right. that that came home to roost, right? I mean, so yeah, let let's talk about this, right? So, th- I I loved a lot of this. Uh, I I would have liked to have gotten a whole episode about Josie, but what we got here, I thought was great. You know, I think the 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 horror scenes with her in the hallways. Um, were particularly effective mm-hmm. and uh, that, that shower scene that we teased earlier. But um, so yeah, let's talk about this whole dynamic she's got going maybe, with Cheryl now. Maybe don't call it a shower scene. That definitely okay. has connotations that are just a little different from what you're saying they are. Ah, but the, it's like, it's, lock- a gi- it's a gym. Sh- it's a, okay. A locker room scene. There you go. That's, better. That sounds better. <laughs> that sounds better. Not much better. But, but yeah, so so let, yeah, let's talk about this dynamic that she's got with Cheryl, right? So she's she's stressed out, right? Her her mother's stressing her out. She's you know working on music behind the Pussycats' back because Cheryl, you know, is trying to connect her with that uh, family friend at that record label that we talked about in season one. And um, it was kind of clear to me from the beginning that Cheryl was playing her, you know, that she had an ulterior motive. Uh, to drive a wedge between her and the Pussycats to kind of work herself in there. And um, when you see how that plays out between her manipulation of Chuck's feelings for her, placing the secret admirer stuff, utilizing the janitor, all like like Cheryl is masterminding this whole thing to try and get closer to, to Josie. And it was concerning like Uh that reveal of her drawing that picture i was like oh my god like i know i've always thought cheryl was a little crazy but this is like (laughs) this is american psycho shit you know like so so what did you guys think about about this whole subplot like where do what do you think cheryl's motive is is it just to be best friends or do you think there's that she wants something more it came as a surprise to me honestly i I did not see that coming I, i knew cheryl was crazy like she has the crazy eyes I knew she was crazy. That's for but sure. I, but she always, she kind of always manages to surprise me in certain situations. Yeah. Like sometimes she's genuine and sometimes like she's just doing things because it would benefit her. And she's obviously very shallow. So it, it's always been a whirlwind, Cheryl. And I don't know how to feel about her because I'm always like, uh, this is who you are. And then it turns out that she's not like that. So at the beginning of this, whole um Josie thing I kind of thought that she was being genuine because she was this was after a trauma and so I was like she wouldn't be trying to manipulate somebody especially when she was so broken up about this in the last episode so I like I could 
completely didn't see that. Like I now I don't know how to feel about Cheryl. I think like I'm not sure what she's trying to get out of it. Like I know that's what you asked. It's, it's, I still don't see what she wants. Like mm-hmm. she, is it that she just wants a person who will be there for her because now she feels like I don't know. She I think Cheryl is the type of person who will try to get a person who's doing well and is popular, somebody like Josie. She wants them on her side, and I think this is a part of it, but it could be that she's also gay. And that wasn't really explored before. No. But I think I'd be, I'd be interested in that. Yeah, and her sexuality hasn't been explored very much. No. I mean, I kind of thought she was into her brother, but that was it. Right. <laughs> so at the very least it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't really don't know. Like I, I'm with you where like I I could see it being either. Like I don't know if it's just in like she just wants somebody that she, that's hers, you know, or yeah. is that she yeah. does have some like weird displaced romantic feelings for her that she's expressing in this really destructive way. Like I don't I don't know. You know, like, I, I don't, it, it just, I can't imagine what else she has to gain other than control over Josie, but yeah. to, like, to what end, right? Is it just because she wants a best friend or because she's trying to, you know, make her her lover or something? Yeah, her intentions have always been crazy. Like, that's the thing with Cheryl. Her, she's so unpredictable. Inten- mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know what she wants out of this. Like. Is it like she genuinely thinks that she is doing something good for Josie so that Josie can see that all in the end, Cheryl is like, you know, the one to turn to. And so from her end, it'll look like she's doing it for a good reason. Yeah, right. Does she have like genuine intentions? Yeah, because she made that comment in the beginning about helping her career blossom, right? And like maybe that is her desire and she thinks, well, the pussycats are holding her back. So I need to drive a wedge between them because she won't. But she also used the word Blossom, which, as we know, is every member of the Blossom's family favorite word. Yep. <laughs> I, I legitimately that that was a big clue to me that something was off. Yeah. Um, so I she, like we've already established, like Cheryl's very complicated. We don't know what her sexuality is. She may very well just be looking to Josie to, uh, you know, have a, a genuine friendship where someone doesn't want something from Cheryl, you know. Um, the problem here and what makes this so hard to read is that the only way Cheryl has been taught and shown to love is by exerting complete and utter manipulation and control over that person. Mm. I guess except for her brother, right? Yeah, but he's gone now. And even sure. still, even still, their parents exerted that over them. Right. So, like, that's that's what makes this so hard to read because, like, if it's a if it's a you know a a, a woman loving another woman relationship, that's a really problematic like gay trope that could go down a very bad problematic road. Don't don't hear me wrong. Great for storytelling, but as for representation and like the only well, okay, so not the only you know f- gay female representation, but 
with a main character, like that would be very problematic and very there would be a lot of issues with it. Yeah, well, at the very least, it certainly runs that risk, right? Right, 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 right. Because <clears throat> it is, it's a well-worn trope for sure. And 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 yeah, like we said, you know, uh, like a, a moon, you know, address like with Cheryl and and Riverdale in general, like they continue to surprise us with how both mature and genuine they can be. But it's also a CW show, and as we've addressed, like this show, it, it, it's a little trashy. Sure. I, I, I think the one, I guess the one point I would make to challenge, um, I guess the problematic nature of it is I think that storyline would be problematic if it was Kevin, because Kevin's identifies as a gay man. Um, we're taught, we've talked about how Cheryl's sexuality is ambiguous. And I don't know that it's going to be the closeted homosexual, uh, who's crazy thing. I think it's that Cheryl is crazy. And has a obsession with Josie, which is why I use the term misplaced feelings, right? Is that I don't think that these are earnest feelings. I think it's a weird admiration obsession with her because she saved her and because Cheryl's a fucking crazy person. You know, like she's legitimately off her rocker. Um, so it's, it's almost like, it's almost, uh, not only unfair, but I think we do ourselves a disservice to try and judge her actions by, the same uh, barometer that we judge normal people's because she is so unpredictable. So um, unless anybody has any final thoughts on uh, the Josie and Cheryl section, let's move along to Betty and Veronica. The introduction of the janitor was a uh, oh yeah yeah that's a good point. I would like to talk about him twist. I there I could see that going down a a sort of stereotypical uh, horror route where mm-hmm. he shows up and. It, I don't know, it felt a lot to me like maybe he was genuinely stalking, you know, yeah, Josie he's like a, he's as a like bigger the player. next. Yeah. yeah. So I, I yeah. thought that, I thought that too, but I actually think he was a red herring. I think he was, we were supposed to think he was the stalker until we re- revealed that it's actually Cheryl. I, I think it was a red herring for the events of this episode. You think it's going to come back? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder, because I actually think that if he does come back, I kind of have a feeling that he's going to fulfill a different trope. I think it might be more like The Shining, where, like, he might show up and, like, save the day, you know, and be the, like, oh, it's the blue-collar layman who was, like, hanging around in the background you thought was creepy, but actually he's a good guy. Sure. Um, just because I think it was so obvious the way that they kept cutting to him, you know, of just like, oh, he's kind of creepy, right? He's kind of creepy. But it's really Cheryl. And but, I, I, yeah, I think that could serve those dual purposes. Yeah, to make us think that it was a redirect, so that we're yeah. like, oh, he's he's fine. And then, yeah, that's totally possible, too. Um, but, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I, I did forget to, to, to touch on him. Girl, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess real quick before we move on to, do you, you guys want to just briefly touch on Chuck? Uh, what What did you think about his whole return this episode and his coming on to Josie, did you, did you believe that he was earnestly, uh, changing for the better? Uh, I think so, but, um, uh, but I'm an optimist in that sense. And so I don't know. Like, I, I, I like I thought, to see the good in people. <laughs> yeah. Like, like when, like when Nick came back and was like, Oh, I'm changing, you know, like for like a second, like I believed it. And then like he did what he did. So That's like, right. I don't you know. said your you said your brother was like, "No, nah, watch this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like you know, like 
I I think he is. Um, he's I think he's being genuine, but um, we'll see. <laughs> I've been I've been wrong before. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. No, why not? I learned not to trust. <laughs> there it there is. You That's I, yeah. I wanted to hear that. That's real <laughs> yeah. life topical experience. So <laughs> he was the yeah, one who uh, Dark Betty got yes. onto, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I kind of went both ways. the The big issue for me was that he, I mean, let's put it out there. He basically kidnapped Josie and took her to pops. Yep. Yep. That's like, that was my problem with it. And I know it seems cute and like, you know, innocent. It's like, no, no, no. The girl wants to go home. Yep. She Why she already already else? turned him down. Nope. Sorry, dude. That's true. I guess the, the issue there is that they don't show you the way that she says yes. And I, I think like you're right that that implication there was a little bit like, come on, you know? Because like, I think like if it was like a thing of like, you know, he's like, oh, I'll buy you cheese fries. And she's like, okay, fine. That's one thing. Because, like, she came at it with, like, this isn't a date, right? Like, I didn't acquiesce. But then it very much turns into a date. So, yeah, I- I'm I'm with you, too, on that one as well. Is that, like, if you are going to do that trope, you should show that it's not playing out in a stereotypical, problematic kind of way. Um, especially when, like, they make a point of her turning him down being like, I don't go out with misogynistic, chauvinistic, like, you know, women, woman disrespectors or something like that. Um, and he, he did exactly that. Yeah. Exactly. And then she still went ahead and danced with him. Like, girl, no. Also, what what was up with that? Like, why do these two millennials (laughs) know how to do the twist? That's my question. I was down for it. I don't know. I was, I was there. I was like. All right. No, like it was cool, but like, could you do the twist that well? No. Right. I could. There you go. Shit. All right. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I stand corrected. I hope that he's trying to get back to the Because, like, it's always nice to see change, but I don't think so. Yeah, I'm apprehensive, but I think the way that he was used this episode leads me to believe that he is earnestly changing because I think we're supposed to feel sympathy for him in that moment where he gets thrown under the bus, you know? Um, Because it wasn't him. Oh, yeah. I Actually, I did feel bad for him at that point. Yeah. And I think, I thought, I did think it was also cute uh, on, you know, their their date that wasn't a date where Pops comes up and he's like, oh, it was great to see you at church. And she's like, what? No way. Did you fucking plan that? And he's like, look, I'm good, but I'm not that good. I was like, okay, all right. Maybe, maybe there's uh, there's earnest growth to be had here. So, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, all right, so let's wrap things up with uh, another BNV adventure. Um, so this was I, this was I think probably my favorite part of the episode. I I loved I loved everything about the way that this was framed. The like the Betty and Veronica theme that they were playing, like every time that they were snooping around Nancy Drew style, was like amazing. It was like do 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 do. It was just like I loved it. Um, but you know, so we kick it off with Betty in uh, in Jughead's bed, and um, they're like kind of debriefing. That's how the episode starts, and then we pick up again from her perspective later on. And uh, you know, she seems to feel somewhat guilty that she got Mister Phillips killed, but I really feel like she's more concerned with answering the question that we all were, which is, how the hell did the Black Hood get in the police station? Oh no! Uh, I just like that scene in the beginning. 
I, because like Jughead already did the bad thing, like the last episode. I don't know how they're like okay. <laughs> what bad thing? Mistaking slept with Tony. No, oh, they, they didn't did? sleep together. She slept at his house because she had been thrown out of her uncle's house. But they say that they 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 kissed, but they didn't they didn't have sex. Right, right. Yeah, and and not to be Ross from Friends, but they were on a break. They were on a break. Okay. And she was the one that did the dumping too. It wasn't yeah. like you know, like he he was his heart was broke. She had his best friend show up to his house and break up with him. I mean, how else do you <laughs> do it? Necessary at the time. She had to do what she had to do. Look, hey, yeah, I'm not throwing nobody, her yeah. under the bus. I'm just Nobody's defending that. his 13 year old makeout session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, going back again. Um, I think Betty is desperate. Like that's what I got from all of it. She's like, Girl, she's thirsty. Like, <laughs> all of the strings and yeah she's just like trying to get on any kind of lead that she can like conjure up because like I felt like she was going after a wild goose chase oh my god yeah the, the whole Sheriff Keller thing was like come yeah. on you know like I thought Veronica was so on point she's like haven't you known him since you were like five like do you re- like you really think he's like come on but uh yeah. was, was anybody else impressed by Veronica's uh, intuition there, like she, she called that from a fucking mile away. That girl knows an affair when she sees one. <laughs> it's it's funny too because I literally wrote in like giant, uh, you know, all text when they revealed the the a thing. I was like, oh holy shit, Veronica's woman's intuition is on point. And then immediately afterwards, she was like, wow, I didn't realize my woman's intuition was that on point. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Is it weird that Kevin and Veronica had a sleepover? I know I'm I old so. and I'm, I'm kind of out of touch. Is that weird? Two 16 year olds? For 16 year olds to have a sleepover? I don't think it's weird. Dude, it's not my, weird. My it girlfriend, feels inappropriate. My girlfriend's 24. Wait, you mean like being a guy and a, and a, and her as a woman? Like, what do you mean? Like that? Yeah. Yeah, what about it's inappropriate? Just that they're old? Well, that, you know, they're of sexual sexual maturity sorry grandpa sh- you're you're out of touch yeah. I mean, look, he's, that's fine yeah, he's that's gay fine. like I, they're not gonna have sex <laughs> well even if he was even if he wasn't gay i i wouldn't think it's weird like, yeah okay i look i your friend i said i'm old i'm out of touch i practiced <laughs> all that like i get it i could see I just you thinking it's sure. weird for two sexual like sexual sexually mature people of the opposite sex to have a sleepover. I get that. I feel like in this scenario, it's not weird. Okay. All right. And I'm not even saying that I think it's weird, right? Like, if you have a platonic relationship, that's fine. Um, yeah. I, yeah, you know. and I'm not trying to put my, you know, quote-unquote conservative views on anything. My Christian just like, moralistic yeah. upbringing. <laughs> I just, yeah, just, no. My first reaction was, oh, what, really? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. The way they came about it was weird because, like, we we didn't really see Veronica and Kevin express like a very, very close relationship. Like was Kevin and Betty, you know, Yeah, that's like normal. Like, and so I, it was, I felt like it was a little bit weird Hmm. how Kevin didn't suspect anything. Like, Oh, just to challenge that they have been shown to be a little closer this season because especially when Betty freaked out on Veronica, there was like that 
few days or whatever where the two of them are hanging out without her. So yeah, yeah. I think you're right that they haven't been shown to have like a close relationship, but I definitely think we're supposed to believe they have a relationship that exists outside of uh, yeah. the group. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. They've definitely been coming closer, but it did seem like the whole invitation she invited herself to his house, basically. Yeah. Like, just out of nowhere, it seems kind of suspicious. I think it does, but I guess, like, I, I took it to be that from his perspective, like, them accusing his dad of anything is, like, so far from his mind that he was probably just like, yeah, yeah okay, cool, let's have, a, like, maybe yeah, it is weird, sure. but not something that he would be like, why? You know, like, yeah. You know, it's like they are friends and like he is going through a hard time. Like, you know, he expresses the, all this concern he's having f- for his dad. And she's like, yeah, like, let's take take your mind off this and hang out or whatever. And I, I think it it's weird, but I don't think it's like suspect, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. It wasn't like that weird. But, you know, like, yeah, like they're grilling him. You know, we get all this information that like he's, he basically says like he thinks his dad's like acting like a different person. You know, he's he's running around at odd hours. He's not eating. He's not sleeping. And that's, you know, when we get the two theories from the girls that lead us down this rabbit hole. Right. Betty thinks he's the hood and Veronica <laughs> thinks he's having an affair. Uh, as we've already said, obviously, Veronica ends up being correct. But this leads us to a ton of fun you know, little, you know, she breaks into their house, they go on a stakeout session, like, yeah, it's uh, some some quality Nancy Drew stuff here. Um, I, I like the moment where um, she's like, she's like, oh, um, hey, Kevin, I'm kind of like thirsty, I'm gonna go down, downstairs and grab something. So yeah, okay. And then like, she, she bumps into the dad and there was like, this, all this awkward, like, sexual tension. It was like, Oh, and I was like, oh, I guess it's Sheriff Kel- Keller, the Dilf. Okay. Oh, my God. I loved that because I, I literally wrote in my notes. I was like, you know, she she goes snooping. And again, another great horror scene of it sounding like he's doing something sinister in the basement. Yeah. And then it just turns into Silver Fox fan service. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't – I never knew Sheriff <laughs> Keller was such a Dilf. <laughs> yeah. In in the middle of the scene, I went, are they going to fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too because i feel like he's like that too like he's like what is your angle right yeah, now yeah he totally like, was he yeah. totally was uh but yeah i i thought it was just like i literally wrote here i was like honestly a little weird to be this flirty with your friend shirtless guy veronica <laughs> like I love oh, she's God. like oh archie andrews better watch out and i was like he's gotta be like 50 like i mean you know if you got it <laughs> Oh god, that that moment was just so weird. That like that's what I remember most from the show because it's like Veronica is vibing at that <laughs> moment. I was like, dude, what do you want to get out of this information? I think yeah, I think we're lucky Kevin came down. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. So that so that Veronica could remember what she was doing. Did, like, did, did anybody else? Was anybody else like surprised to hear that Kevin had a mother? Because I was. I was. I totally yes. thought. I totally I, thought he was a single father. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, technically he is right now. But, but no, like, they're married, though. It's like she's she's on deployment. He's raising his son alone right now. Oh, but it's right, like, right. you know, she's like in the picture. Like, she still lives at their house and everything. Like, <clears throat> yeah. So I, it was just so. That was news. I, I think I, I wrote in my notes, I was like, the fuck? I had no idea Kevin even <laughs> had a mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did think it was like a dead mom sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Because he never really talked about her. Yeah. Like, they were divorced. He would still be talking about her, but. Right. 
my There's shitty doubt. ex-wife. None of those are true. <laughs> yeah, right. I thought maybe she like walked out on the family or something. Like yeah. there was going to be some, you know, because one of the things that um, – I, we talk about this almost every time Kevin comes up because usually there's something to do with uh, Sheriff Keller, Keller. I like they have a really sweet relationship, you know, and like they seem like they're very close. So I always got the impression that it was like single dad, you know, dead mom, mom abandoned them or whatever, and they they're super close because of that. Um, but I guess no, I guess he's just you know they just have a good relationship and mom's out and about. I feel like the dead mom would like service that a little more. You know, like, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, you can be totally super close with your dad. That's legit. But I feel like the fact that we hadn't seen her and didn't know this information previously to this episode really sort of uh, did. It didn't work for what we thought we knew, you know? Yeah, that headcanon worked for me of like, you know, because I always said, like, I like that he's kind of this like, oh, you know, man's man sheriff in small town Riverdale. But like, he's super cool about his son being gay or whatever. And like, I was like, OK, cool. Like, that's very... Like, you know, obviously that's the ideal, right? Like, you should love your kids no matter what. Um, but it, it was a thing that I remember the first time we dealt with it, it was, like, kind of a refreshing thing. And I remember feeling like it felt reinforced for me that, like, yeah, like, well, they just have a really good understanding because they're so close because they're all the, the other has, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, you know, without going through every single one of these kind of scenes or whatever, um, I did want to just say, like, I love the whole dynamic between Betty and Veronica this episode. It's so good to see them as a team again. Um, But specifically, again, just, like, the way it was shot, I loved all the scenes where it was, like, the swoop in side by side and they're, like, on the phone together, like, you know, talking through the case and everything. And she's like, you're there without me while we're on a case? And she's like, this isn't a case. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And then also, how dare you? You're there without me? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I guess the last thing I wanted to touch on before, you know, because we, we talked about it, right? There's the reveal, him and Mayor McCoy are sleeping together. Obviously, that's going to come back to, you know, uh, that's going to matter in the future. I know that's going to, you know, get dealt with, but there's not too much else to say about it. I bet I bet we see one of them die. I bet the hood goes after one of them. It's yeah. possible, but I wonder just because the, they don't have other parents. So, like, unless they reintroduce – if they introduce Kevin's mom to come home and take care of him or Josie's dad comes back, like, if their parents get killed, like, where do they go? Yeah, yeah. That's – yeah, that's a real thought. Um, I, yeah. That's that's still my theory is he's going to go after one of them. I think he'll definitely go after them. I just don't – I don't know that they'll die. Because I think even Betty says, right, oh, Riverdale's list of sinners keeps expanding. Yeah. After they find that out about them. So I think that's definitely supposed to be a hint that they're on the chopping block. It's just a matter of what actually happens. But I I thought it was interesting, uh, the scene, just to touch on it, where Betty and her father go down to the sheriff's station after he, she gets caught, uh, having broken into Sheriff Keller's office, right? And she admits why she was there and everything. You know, he says he understands how she can make that conclusion with an overactive imagination and like he's very fair to her about it you know he shows her the logbook gives her the alibi and says he's not going to tell kevin because she's you know been a really good friend to him and he you know thinks it's going to break his heart and uh it was funny because i i remember feeling like that was kind of supposed to make us suspicious of him the way that he handled it but i honestly think it just seemed like he was kind of hurt a little bit you know like that he was like like i can't believe you would suspect me of doing this almost what, like, what was your guys' read on that? Honestly, the same. I felt the same. I felt like he was genuinely 
kind of upset about it, but also kind of doesn't want her to snoop around, obviously because of his uh, affair. Sure. Mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of it was that. Yeah, it's also it, like, you know, she broke into his house. Hey, man, don't do that. Like, <laughs> I'm still not 100% sold on the fact that he's not the hood. I think uh, I think all of that stuff is, I mean, it, I guess it's not circumstantial, but I mean, it feels, it feels convenient. Like, it's the kind of thing that any other show would turn into like a, a great twist, you know? Yeah, and I think that's a lot of times I find myself like playing 4D chess with Riverdale where I'm like, so they wouldn't do this because I think that they're going to do this, right? So what's the subversion of the thing that I think is going to happen? Because that's <laughs> yeah. generally what they do. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think it's him because I think we got the answer of what the wrinkle was with him. Oh, he's having an affair. Veronica yeah. was right. And that doesn't mean he's not the hood, but I don't think he is. Um, especially because I feel like that would be hypocritical, right? Like he's sinning. He's supposed to be killing sinners. It just, I don't know. It, hey, it every, feels. Everybody, every villain is the hero in their own story. Fair enough. I feel like it's going to shock us. Like, I feel like we're going to find out something like one of the moms is the black hood. I don't know why. I just feel like. That would be crazy. They just really <laughs> want to just like, what would really shock me? I think if, that would shock me. If it, whoa, what if it were Archie's mom? That would be so weird. I wouldn't even, that wouldn't even be good. Yeah. Because, like, we have so, no, so little no, attachment just, to her. Yeah. What if it was Fred Andrews and he shot himself? <laughs> Listen, don't you, don't you give me ideas. Uh, the, um, uh, oh, Alice. Alice would be a really good twist, I think. FP has been breaking out of jail every night and crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if somebody, if somebody can break in, they can definitely break out. Boom. Boom. You heard it here first. All these terrible theories. <laughs> uh, Amuna, do you have do you have a uh, like a personal pet theory of who oh, the hood is? The black. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's been kind of sitting on the back burner because like I'm I'm more the type like I want to see the mystery unravel because I care more about the characters and how mm-hmm. they interact with each other. So it's always been like. It's just like I'm waiting for it to happen, so yeah. I'm not really. It's not something that I care about the yeah. most. Yeah. I care more about what the characters are doing. You like the journey more than the yeah the reveal yeah. itself. All right, I respect that. Yeah, I would say I'm the same way. Um, so that's actually a perfect transition into our conclusion here. Uh, so all the stories, um, you know, even as loosely connected as they were, right? Right? We discuss how they kind of weirdly touch over each other in a lot of little fun directive ways. Um, but they all kind of sync up at Pops, you know, for one final debrief. And, um, you know, we see the other side of Archie and, uh, and Jughead's conversation from Pops where, you know, um, Betty and Veronica are already there. They agreed that they're going to hold on to ke- this secret about Mr. Keller, uh, to, you know, preserve Kevin's view of his father, you know, and not, not, uh, expose this affair because, I guess it's really not their place. That's that's a tough thing, right? Like, I remember thinking, I was like, ooh, like, do you tell your friend that one? And it's like, I don't know. I feel like you probably should tell him, but at the same time, I totally get why they would not do that. Like, what did you guys think about that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell my friends. More like, not because I, I would think it's a good idea, because I think the good idea would be to tell them. But I'm more of an emotional person, and I wouldn't want them to feel hurt. So I get what it, where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, I think if I if it were me 
specifically in Betty and Veronica's situation, I don't think I would. I don't think I would at all because they're sneaking around to having stakeouts and like it's weird. That's fair. But they'd have to admit that they like tailed his dad. Yeah. <laughs> but in any other situation, I think I would go to the the cheater first and say, "Hey, listen, I know this is what you're doing. Either knock it off or like come clean." Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so then we also get you know a look a few booths back up against the back wall um, at the conclusion of Cheryl and Josie's story. So um, the last bit of Josie's story that we didn't touch on is that. You know, she has this nightmare after all this stress, right? She gets confronted by the pussycats. The band breaks up. Um, you know, she's got the stress from her mother. Like, she finds out that her mother's getting these death threats and that someone's threatened her. And then she has the nightmare where we kind of finally get the full spooky reveal of the lyrics of this song that's been a motif throughout her whole story. And um, she gets her throat slit by the, Yo, um, that dream, the Black Cloud. The, Black Cloud, Black Hood. That dream, I, I, I didn't... I, I didn't expect it to be a dream. Like, oh, okay, yeah, she's just chilling. And I thought, like, the <clears throat> the janitor was was coming over, like, for real. And I'm like, oh, yep. shit. oh no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. He's getting closer. The music's getting a little louder. Like, no, come on. It's, like, it's, it's Josie. Like, no. And then slits. So I was like, oh, I, my mouth was wide open, pa- way past her waking up from, from that dream. Like, her just, like, reaching and gasping for, like, that. I was like, whoa. That's, they that's held sing- on it for a second, too. That's significant just because she's also a singer. So, like, it was huge. I was like, whoa, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of that scene with Kevin from a few episodes back where we saw him get killed in that dream sequence as well. And uh-huh. it was just like, I took it for fact. You know, yeah. it was like, <gasps> No. <laughs> yeah, same. I, I thought it was real. I actually freaked out. I was like, holy fuck, you did not do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then she wakes up. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. We're all good. It's like, can we can we please not kill the only black main character? Can we not do that television? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not the only one. She's the only main character. You think the other... I, I would consider her, like, main cast adjacent. Yeah. I would say like, the main characters are, like, the core four... Yeah. And then right outside of that is, like, Cheryl, Josie, and uh, Kevin. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, main minor yeah. cast. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, there's Val, and then, like, the third pussycat whose name that I don't even know. Does anyone know her name? Because I literally, I, I wrote it down. I was, like, three times. I was, like, wait, what's her name again? And I was, like, you know what? I'm not going to look up her name, and I'm going to ask the other people. Does anybody know her fucking name? No. Damn straight. <laughs> I did not nope. like her. Oh, she, she came out. Like, she came out of nowhere with all these lines and all this attitude. Like, girl, I don't even know you. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the thing I thought was the funniest about it was like in the scene where they break up, right? Like uh, Val leaves and she calls after Val, and the third pussycat stays and says something else and leaves. Yep. And I'm like, are you seriously not going to say her name? Yep. She's the only one who I don't know who she is. This is like her second line in the whole series. She reminded me of uh, Beyonce in um, Austin Powers' Gold Member. Yeah, same haircut. I'm Foxy Cleopatra, and I'm a whole lot of woman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Uh, I didn't care for her very much. I didn't care. I felt like, I don't know. They they didn't really make us care about her. I cared a lot about Val. Like, I wish she was more main, personally, because I feel like, I don't know, she's just, like, nice and grounded person. Mm-hmm. And they're all so 
messed up. Even Betty, who's meant to be nice, she's she literally broke into a person's house to prove that they're killing other people. And it's like a person that she's known her entire life. So she is messed up. Yeah. The thing I, you know, I would say my biggest complaint with Val is also her biggest strength is that her involvement in the show as a main cast member was so limited. But I like the way that they handled that was that the whole thing of like her and Archie dating and him being a shitty boyfriend. And he like tries to apologize. And she's like, no, like you don't get another chance. Fuck you. Like, I'm not, I'm not here for you to like, you know, hang out with me when it's convenient and blow me off. It's like, forget you. And I was like, yeah, good for you. Like you go. But it's also like, well, does that mean you can't be in the show anymore? Like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're not going to play ball. You don't get to be in the show. I guess. Or at least with like Josie, like in scenes where like, if we're going to get more of Josie, then I feel like we should get more of Pussycat. Yeah, I just wonder if that's going to be the case now that they are kind of written out because they're not a band anymore. Like, I'm sure they'll get back together. But this whole thing with Cheryl, I think, is going to be separate from them for a while. So, I mean, hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully they'll be hanging around in the background and and the friction between her and the two of them will be uh, a part of her plot moving forward, which would make sense, right? They're her two closest friends, so. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so, too. Um, So then the last bit we get is, you know, we just kind of get a retread of the scene of Jug and Archie and we see Jug leave uh, just before we get another phone call from the hood, right? Which was another... A phone call? Pops, that's for me. Hello? Hello? This is the Black Hood. Yeah, I've been phoning it in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, that's it. Sorry, that was my bet. Let's, Let's keep it going. (laughs) <laughs> I had to wrap oh, that, that up. That was a good one, buddy. I'm gonna, I like I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to kill you for your lack of enthusiasm for the show, Riverdale. <laughs> Put in more effort. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the, the episode closes with, we learn that we have failed the hood's test, that we are all sinners and reckoning is upon us. I mean, yeah, good. <laughs> I, ho- I hope he comes after me. Like, I'll let him. <laughs> You left. I'm tired. Kale <laughs> 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 Wood, sinner. Plus, he's like going after teenagers and people living their lives. They're all gonna fucking sin all the time. Isn't he a sinner? I mean, he kills people. Come on. Yeah, right. Isn't Wrath one of the seven deadly sins? Yeah. There you go. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so I mean, Kale, you already asked. Uh, Amuna, my question that I like to ask the guests of who do you think the Black Hood is, but I I guess I wanted to just circle back to the murderous teased at the top, right? And that this this is obviously the start of this new chapter, this new storyline. So I want to ask, what do we think is going on and who's going down? Do you have any any theories about who's going to die? Because we have these clues, right? So just to refresh your memory. We have the clues that there there are three murders that take place and uh, that they're so tragic because those who bore witness to them were so young and that the latest chapters began here and today with the note. So I just came up with this because of the way you asked this question. I think it'll be be the farmer because he tried to steal from Jughead, uh, you know, the Herald guy. Sure. I think it'll be, what was the second part? Cheryl and Josie. Uh, I think it'll be the janitor or Mm -hmm. 
I'm torn there. I think it'll be the janitor or Chuck. Oh. Okay. Okay. I can see Chuck. Yeah. Or or the janitor, of course. And then really unsure about um, Betty and Veronica. I, I'm going to stand by the mayor or sheriff or the sheriff. Um, and not and maybe they won't die, but I think they, they will be attacked. So they may not, they may see two murders and not necessarily three. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can see that. I I, I think I agree. Um, yeah, the 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 other driver. I think it might be um, Chris, right? Chuck. What was his name? Chuck. Sorry. Chuck. Yeah. Chuck. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think I think mayor, the mayor, are um, and sheriff are too too central. Like, are, are, are minor characters big enough that they won't like be killed but i i can see a situation where they get like attacked and survive or something yeah yeah i i, I myself i really have no idea you know i i, I have a i have a hard time predicting what's going to happen in this show you know because they really are good at creating twists that because they do such a good job of presenting you with enough to come up with theories that you're like well this will probably be the twist that they'll do right and then they don't do that yeah so it's kind of like I don't actually think that any of the things I think might happen will happen because they're too obvious. Mm. So I, I don't know. I really don't. I, I don't even know that it's going to necessarily be anybody like super relevant. I think it's like totally possible that like maybe the hood like kidnaps them or something and we get a scene where they're all like tied up and he murders somebody in front of them. Like who knows? You know, like I don't I, – I think, you know, Mooney, you said at the top that it, it seems like the implication is that one of these characters is going to die or that these three groups of kids are going to be the ones that see the murder, right? Or that they see the three murders. I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion. They're going to be the three that see the violence, but I have no idea who it's going to be against. Do you think it's relevant, uh, like, who stood up when Pops was announcing the call? So, like, Archie stood up. I think Cheryl stood up. I want to say I want to say it was Veronica and Betty stayed seated. I think so. Or I don't know. I don't Betty know that and... that's important. I didn't think yeah. about it, but I didn't. I don't remember feeling that it had any significance. Hmm. Me neither. What about Penny? Like, what is her role in all of this? I mean, she's come back. Obviously. Hopefully, it's to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For some revenge, apparently, on Jughead. I, I feel like Penny's whole angle is just. That she has a, a debt that's not paid with FP. And it's as simple as family drama. Like, I, I don't know right. that she fits into the larger story. I think she's yeah. just a means to an end for forcing Jughead further down the path of being a serpent. Which is kind of his major character arc this season. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. It's just a feel for him. I feel like, uh, like uh, my heart's broken just seeing him so tortured all the time. That's the beauty of the show, though. You know, he's uh, he. It's just so funny because like they, there's so much like classic like '50s and '60s like Golden Age Archie imagery that they sneak into the show, and I always like just think of him at like um, what's that movie, Cry Baby, or like the the book The Outsiders, like those like classic. Stories of just, like, sensitive greaser boys who are, like, come from downtrodden homes and they just want love. And so everybody loves Jughead. Except oh, Matt Murphy, but he's a trash panda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, bless him. I love Jughead. Oh, bless him. <laughs> like, uh, I, I believe this is, yeah, this is Andy Brown on second two, on episode two of uh, Riverdale Review. He said that Jughead Jones is a national goddamn treasure. 
And uh, I think that's accurate. I agree. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Riverdale Review. Remember, if you guys want to write into the show and have your thoughts read on the air about uh, what you think's going on, your theories for the episodes moving forward, um, or you know any of the stuff that we talked about today, um, you can shoot us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on social media at thecomicspals, wherever your social media is sold. And uh, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, Amuna, please, if you could, again, just, you know, let the people know where they can find you all over the interwebs if they want to connect with you, uh, remind them of the books that you work on so they can go check them out and help you pay your bills. <laughs> all right. So you can find me by simply Googling, Googling Amuna Sauhin and uh, on Instagram, I'm Instagram and on Twitter, I'm Amuna Sauhin and on the internet, like my website is amuna.net, and there you can find my artwork. I am currently not doing art professionally, but hopefully in the future I will be. And I'm currently editing comic books, and uh, I do work on a lot of Titan Comics titles, but the main ones that I am an editor on are the Warhammer line and Sherlock comic, so check those out. That's a, a manga, right? The Sherlock, yeah, it's it a Sherlock is. Manga. It is. It is. It's it's so beautifully done. It's like I didn't think that I would want to revisit the Sherlock BBC like TV show. That's what the manga is based off of. Huh. But th- they draw it. It's drawn in such a beautiful way that you don't really mind going through the story again. Nice. I love it. It's like, it's the best part of my day. Just like lettering and editing the book. And I have to watch the TV show basically just so I can get the feel right to it. And hmm. it's always refreshing. I just, I feel like it's a really good one. That's awesome. We'll have to have you on the uh, the Comics Pals one of these days to talk about talk about your work more uh, more in depth. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, again, thank you so much for joining us here in the booth today. Uh, I hope you had a good time. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, hey, you're welcome I, back been, anytime. Yeah, I've been so nervous just doing this. I have such stage fright. I can't even order like pizza on the phone because I'm so stressed <laughs> out from interacting with people on like on the phone. It just it feels so. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of pressure for me to say the right thing that I don't know how to say things. Well, you you did a great job. We just talked about Riverdale for, what, like an hour and a half, and uh, you killed it. So good job. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. It's actually, it's mostly down to you guys. You guys have made me feel so comfortable, and I just, I felt really into it. And at the end of the day, it's just talking about what, like, This I trash thought. show that we all love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It is the show of our time, as I said. It, it is the show of our time. That is yeah. for sure. I never thought I would like it, actually. I, yeah. I hated the idea of Riverdale when like, I first found out about it. I just like, this is the worst thing I ever heard. Like, I, I normally don't like CW shows because like, I feel like they're so shallow. Uh huh. But I think it's because I've been watching a lot of like really dark and gritty TV show on Netflix. Like, if you guys like dinner or like any of the murder documentaries and so i was like oh, i need something funny i need something like it, it's not funny but it's not it's 
not as serious. Like I can not take myself seriously when I watch it, which I find is very great. And like the characters, they're so easy to connect. They're not like like they they seem one dimensional in the beginning, and then you find out more about them. It just it really keeps getting more and more interesting. And every time I thought I got this down, I know what it's about. It's not about that. It's about something else. Like they have an o- like there's an overarching story, and the characters we know who they are, but it just seems to always go sideways. Every time I thought, oh, we're heading down that route, and I always found that very interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely a consistently surprising and entertaining show at the very least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll obviously we'll have to have you on again sometime, uh, maybe after the the mid season break. But thank you again so much for joining us, and uh, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Riverdale Review. Uh, so remember, you guys can catch the show every Wednesday on SoundCloud and YouTube. Uh, you can connect with us at thecomicspals at gmail.com, the Comics Pals on your social media sites, and uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Riverdale Review. Hey, Pop, checks on the table. Does does Pops do pizza? Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Is that a thing?